Ah, good morning. Good to see you guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, boy, uh, those guys are goofballs, but there are goofballs, amen. <laughs> In fact, last night they proved it. Uh, Kyle uh, was part of uh, a local charity. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Some of you don't know this. A local charity does a thing called Dancing with the Stars, and he was one of the stars, and he won the competition. It, uh... <laughs> A lot of our young adults went over there and supported. He did a little number from Greece. I saw it. Next week, we'll have footage for everybody to see you doing that. But uh, appreciate Kyle. Uh, Michael Bacino was also, I don't know where Michael is. He was up there dancing hip-hop. Good job. Good job. Appreciate you guys representing us uh, and, uh, uh, and helping out one of our uh, community organizations. But thank you for being here. My name is Troy. I'm one of the pastors and uh, glad that you made it in person, also all you watching online. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into this. I'm going to ask a question. I wonder how many of you are ready this morning to be challenged. Give me a shout back if you're ready, if you're ready. This section, not so much in the back over there, but uh, it's going to be a challenge. I want you to buckle your seatbelts. And uh, in fact, if you're online right now, just type in, bring it, Pastor Troy, bring it, and uh, do that. We're in the week uh, four of a series that we started a month ago called Spring Cleaning, and uh, basically over this last few weeks, we've been asking God to do some cleaning in our hearts, to, to check our hearts and to clean out some of the junk. Uh, you know, just as this snow melt has kind of uh, exposed some of the junk and the trash and the garbage that's on the side of the roads and in our front yards and all that um, that's been hidden all winter, we have been asking God to uh, expose some of the emotional garbage and mental clutter that we kind of have collected over the last few months or last few years. And uh, in Psalm 139, uh, King David, after a very long winter in his own life, he uh, wrote this prayer. He said this. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Um, David was a man after God's heart, and he's inviting God to come into his heart and to see his heart. Because why? Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. Our, our heart, what's going on there. We need to pay attention what is in our heart and what we let in our heart and what comes out of our heart, right? And he says, so know my heart, God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out, here's a dangerous prayer, point out anything in me that offends you. That's what we're asking God to do, to reveal things that might he might be concerned about that maybe we're not enough concerned about. And he says, lead me along the paths of everlasting life, not just this life, but eternal life. I want to walk in that path. And basically, that's what we've been doing together as a church. And we're just doing this very practically. We're just hitting some subjects that kind of most of us deal with and wrestle with from time to time. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about ditching our feelings of inadequacies, our insecurities that many of us kind of keep us from stepping into what God has called us to do. Uh, last week, talked about dumping that shame that just kind of follows us around, like Julie said, and just keeps us down and, and, and keeps us feeling like we're nothing in God's eyes. And so we talked about that. But today, I'm going to shift gears a little bit on you, and I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. I want to talk about something that is super dangerous. It is dangerous, and it has the potential to destroy um, our relationships and destroy our lives. And so I want to be very careful. Today, I want to talk about um, the sin of sexual lust. Well, that got the 
I was expecting a little bit more from you on that one. But, uh, uh, you know, someone told me a long time ago, if you want to grow your church, you want people to come to your church, you should preach about sex every now and then and, and or the, all, the end times. That dream brings people in. And, uh, and if you really want to grow your church, you should preach about sex in the end times. So uh, uh, we're kind of talking about that. I think we're in the end times. So, but this is a big, big issue, and I believe that it breaks the heart of our God when he sees what's happening in and around us. Uh, in our culture, uh, you know, I think you would agree that most of most people would say, "Well, that's not really that big of a deal," you know. And uh, God made us this way, right? You know, and uh, uh, all men battle with lust. And let me just say offhand here, real quick, to be clear, it's not just a man issue; um, it's a human being issue. Uh, yes, men are more easily tempted, but women are susceptible to this too. In 2016, the George Barna Group. Uh, conducted a survey, and they found that this, they found that one out of five women admitted that they struggle with addiction to pornography. Uh, about 40%, about four out of 10, maybe five out of 10 of men admitted they're addicted, and we all know that men are liars, so I have a feeling that that, that number's a little bit higher, right? But what's alarming is, is that both of those numbers have dramatically increased over this last uh, two decades. Uh, it's no secret now that pornography is, has become a mainstream form of entertainment in our culture, uh, in our society. All you have to do is watch the halftime at Sh Super Bowl. And you can see what our culture is all about and what we're fascinated by and what we're into. Um, uh, there was a report I came across that said that 35% of all Internet downloads are pornography-related. One out of three worldwide. Um, and so this is a big issue. And if you have teenagers, you have children, you have students in your home, uh, this issue should be on your radar. Uh, according to many studies, the highest users of Internet pornography are actually 12 to 17-year-olds. So you should be thinking about this and being aware of it. And this is concerning. Uh, and, I, and, it, and it's going to get worse, I think, because first of all, access to that which uh, uh, feeds our sexual lust has never been easier. Right? I mean, we have these mobile devices, and we can quickly and easily get anything and everything that you might want to look at and think about um, and watch right here. Um, and at the same time, as I mentioned, I could argue that uh, it, it, it's more acceptable uh, nowadays in our culture uh, to lust than ever before. It's just everything is about that, you know. A lot of people rationalize this and rationalize where, what they've given themselves over. You know, a lot of people say, what's the big deal? I'm an adult. I'm not hurting anyone. Uh, you know, I have some natural urges, and this is me, and uh, this is no one's business anyway. And there's an element of truth to that. In fact, um, let me just state up front, if you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, um, you're kind of off the hook here today. Uh, what we're going to talk about doesn't really apply to you. Um, you, you, you didn't sign up to follow Jesus, and so, you know, you're, you don't have to, you know, his standards don't really apply to you. Um, now, you might be thinking, yeah, that's right, I'm not a Christian, I don't want to be a Christian. But listen to me, um, I think after hearing what I'm going to talk about, you might slowly realize and recognize that there is something wrong with the way a lot of people are kind of living their life and their fascination with this topic, and you might go, eh, that's a little out of balance, and hopefully you might change your mind about following Jesus because he wants to help you with this. But um, here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you know what? You know that we have to take Jesus' words seriously. What he says, we need to hear and listen. And he was very, very clear on this topic. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he told the crowd, uh, he said, you have heard it said that you should not commit adultery. 
Now, most of us would agree that that's something that we should stay away from and we should definitely avoid. But Jesus raised the standard. He raised the bar to where all of us now need to pay attention to this. He said this in verse 28. He says, but I say to you that anyone who, now say this together with me, looks lustfully, one more time, looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. According to uh, Jesus, when we look lustfully at someone, it is the same thing as committing adultery with them. (laughs) Uh, And so not only is this a a bad thing, a wrong thing for us, um, but according to James, the brother of Jesus, this is a dangerous thing. In James uh, 1.14, he says this. He says, temptation comes from our own desires. Some of us think that God is up there tempting us. No, 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 no. Temptation happens when we have some desires that are maybe a little out of whack. They come from our own desires, which he said entice us. They entice us and they drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And that's the problem. And when sin is allowed to grow, when it, is, when it takes root in your heart, when, it, when we don't clean it up, when we allow it to just kind of fester in our life and kind of bounce around on that, it gives birth to death. Now the question is, is death of what? Well, very easily, you can say death of purity. And again, in our culture, purity... That sounds puritanical. That sounds old-fashioned. But Jesus said this, believers. He said, the pure in heart shall see God. There's something about just having purity in your life that allows you to see and experience God. I mean, none of us can see Him fully because there is a sin element. But you ever run into somebody that you talk to and they just seem to always go, man, can I tell you what God did or God told me this or I saw God do this? I'm not saying that they're better, but my sense is that there's probably an element of focus on their life of trying to keep some of the the world out so that God, and turn down the volume of the world and turn up God's voice in their heart. And so there's some about that. Uh, But not only that, the death of purity, the death of intimacy, um, uh, which is something that we all want, you know, uh, having someone, and the the death of, uh, of trust, which is essential in relationship, right? Um, this is why marriages struggle because uh, there's, that trust is gone because of this, perhaps. And ultimately, spiritual death, which again, uh, you and know, I, we don't think too much about, but uh, uh, everlasting life is something that God has offered you and I, and uh, spiritually we die. And so James would say this, unchecked temptation and lust will eventually grow into actions, and those actions will bring forth death and destruction in our lives and our relationships. And what's interesting to me about this is the word that James uses here, entice. This is actually a fishing term in the Greek. It's a fishing term. Uh, these were fishermen. And uh, how many, is there any people that love to fish here? I love to fish. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. I love sitting on the side of a lake, fishing on a sunny day. I love to do that. I go up north to Steamboat Lake and enjoy that. I'm, I'm a lake fisherman. I know some of you are river fisher people, you know, but I like a lake. I'm a bait fisherman. I'm just going to confess that in front of all you fly fishermen, you purists, but I actually like to catch fish when I go fishing, and that whole fly fishing thing, I'm just untangling line all the time, so, but uh, anyway, uh, you know, I love casting, and I love catching fish. I'll be honest, the one thing I can't stand about is I can't stand uh, getting the fish off the hook. I don't like, I'm just, I just, touching a stinky, slimy fish just wigs me out to this day. 
I mean, it's just, ugh. And so fortunately for me, my little girl, Tatum, she loves taking the fish off the hook and putting it on the stringer and throwing it in the water. And then she takes a stick and she just pokes at that fish until we go home all day, all afternoon long, just tortures the fish. So anyway, my point is this, is that uh, um, imagine that there's a bait, some bait on a hook, you know, uh, and, and that's, that's the picture, that, the, uh, that our enemy uses lust in our hearts as a way to entice us. And this word entice in the Greek is interesting. It's deliatso. It means to entrap, uh, to allure, and ultimately to hook, to hook us. And so we see something and we're like, ooh, that looks good. You know, that, that might satisfy this emptiness, this boredom that I'm feeling. You know, and then we go after it. <laughs> we grab it. And the next thing you know, we've been hooked. And then we're being dragged to somewhere we don't want to go ultimately to be tortured by a little girl with a stick for eternity, amen? <laughs> um, so the question is, is how do we, how does this become a hook in our life? When I say hooked, when he talks about being enticed and being hooked and caught up in this, how, how do we do that? Well, I want to explain this because there's in, it's interesting. There's more going on here than what you might uh, perhaps have thought. Um, you know, um, and I want to give you a few thoughts that will help you, and here's why, because sex According to our culture, is just a physical thing. It's just two people, two bodies. It's just a physical thing. But anybody who's ever been sexually abused will tell you that there is more going on than just something physical. That there is emotions deeply tied to that. That there is a spiritual thing that's happening that you carry with you. Uh, sex is kind of pulled out. Physical sex, physical sin is pulled out and says it does something else to us. There's a scar that's a little bit deeper on that. And so I want to give you a few thoughts that may help you understand what's going on and how this, this, this sexual lust works in people's lives. Um, and for some of you, as you hear this, you're going to go, that is my story. That's my story. Um, the first thing that happens that I would suggest to you is, is that you and I, sometimes some of us are exposed to some sort of sexual impurity uh, that maybe for many of us this has happened to us when we were little kids. Uh, some sort of sex is beautiful. Sex is something that God created, but then it gets twisted, right? And we see something. Maybe we see something on TV. We saw something on television that just kind of hooked us. I remember growing up in Craig, and I remember when cable TV came to Craig, Colorado, and we got HBO and Sin to the Max. And boy, late night, there was some stuff I had never seen before watching some of that. Or maybe nowadays, you know, your child or you, maybe when you were younger, you were on the internet, and all of a sudden an ad popped up, and you saw a picture of something, you're like, whoa. And it, it, and it did something, something that you weren't supposed to see. Uh, for some of us, uh, and unfortunately too many of us, uh, some of us were betrayed by a family member or a family friend who abused us in some way uh, and that they stole some of our innocence as a, as a, at a very young age. Whatever it was, many of us were exposed to something sexually impure at an early age. For me, I know uh, exactly when this happened. Um, I was in the second grade. I remember it distinctly. Um, I lived in a trailer park in Craig. I told you about this. And I was out with my friends. We were playing army in an empty field there near our trailer park. And so we're crawling around and shooting each other. And my friend, uh, Ruben Trevino, I'll never forget. His name was Ruben Trevino. He called my name. And so I crawled over to where he was. And when I got there, uh, I found my friend. He had this tattered Playboy magazine. And he's looking at me going, you better look at this. 
And uh, it was just tattered. It, I think it had probably blown out of the trash and it was just out in that field. And let me tell you, we went through that magazine cover to cover. Um, we read all the articles. I'm joking. We didn't read any of them. Some of you are like, there are articles in there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I did not know why back then, but I liked what I saw. I don't know why, but I liked what I saw, and I never forgot that experience. Um, something changed in my brain that day. There was, a, there was a change in my mind. If you're taking notes, um, first you're exposed to some sort of sexual impurity, and then at that point, you have sustained a mental injury. There's been an injury to your mind or to your spirit. Before, my mind uh, was relatively pure, um, but after that, it was kind of polluted. This thing began to worm its way. My, my thought process wasn't the same anymore. Um, I had sustained uh, an injury, I think, to my mind. It's a way to look at it. And it was as if a virus had been introduced to the computer in my brain, and now that virus began corrupting some of my thoughts. And I began to create secret places where um, in my mind I could store those images and those thoughts that I had, and I hid them, I kept them secret, and I would go to them every now and then uh, from time to time. I didn't want my parents or anyone else to know about it. Um, sex became a very dirty and strange thing to me. Um, and those thoughts, I mean, think about it. At one point, they, were, they, they brought me some excitement and maybe even some enjoyment. But because I didn't understand it, there was also some shame, a lot of shame that came with that and it was conflicted. And so the third thing that happened is that, I, that and we do is we become sexually conflicted or sexually confused. Again, sex is a beautiful thing. God gave it to us, but there's reasons. And I, wasn't, I didn't know what those reasons were. I saw some other things. And so there was this back and forth battle in my mind between guilt and pleasure. I would feel guilty for these thoughts that I had, but I couldn't help but think about them. It was kind of like uh, uh, what Paul said in Romans chapter 7 where he says, like, what is my problem? I don't know what to do. Why? Why? The things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I keep coming back and doing. What should I do? Oh, what a wretched man. He's illustrating the power that sin has in our life. It just is, we're powerless to it. And so we try. And, and in the same way, I was stuck in a cycle. And the only way to deal with my shame that I'm, I was feeling was to justify it. To say, this is what I am. And that's what happens is that eventually we all just kind of, many of us just justify these feelings. Well, I'm a guy. Guys have needs. Guys have urges. It's normal for a guy to have these thoughts and to do these things. And as you get older, that becomes easier. It's really your only choice in many ways. You just think, I got to justify it. I'm single. Doesn't matter what I'm doing while I'm single. Later on when I get married, then I'll, uh, I won't do it anymore. And then maybe like me, you come to God. You kind of, kind of have a relationship with God at some point in your life. And, and God begins to convict you of this sin. We talked last week, there's a difference between conviction of the Holy Spirit and shame. shame. Conviction is a good thing. Conviction is like when you stick your hand in a fire, that feeling that you get, that sensation, that pain is telling you something is wrong. Stop it. Get that hand out of there. And conviction of the Holy Spirit tells you something is wrong. This is doing damage that you can't 
tell that you're not aware of, right? And, and the truth is, is the problem with, with uh, some sin, and especially sexual sin, is that you don't feel that pain or that consequence till later in the game, you know? It's kind of like hitting your finger with a, a hammer, and you're like, no, that didn't hurt. What's the big deal? But then a month later, you're like, ah! You know, you freak out, and you're like, wow. And it's true. Many of us don't experience the consequences of our sexual sin until later. I mean, until you finally meet that guy of your dreams or that woman of your dreams, and you get married, and now what you've, you've done is you bring all these sexual ghosts and memories with you into that relationship and into your bedroom, and you have the lovely experience of comparing this person that you've given your life to to all these other that you've had. And you begin to compare and contrast, and it just takes it away, this thing that God wanted for us. And so the consequences of sin are there. And, and so, you, so you become convicted of your sin, and so you make some promises to God. You're like, God, I promise I'm not going to do this anymore. And then four later, days later, you break your promise. And you basically are in this cycle of, uh, of sexual sobriety and then uh, sexual binges where you just give yourself over to them. And then maybe you get married. And you think in your mind, man, now that I'm married, I'm not going to struggle with this anyway. Those urges are going to go away. And they don't. And you find yourself doing and thinking things that you shouldn't be. And you're like, well, I guess I just have a passion problem. I'm just too passionate. No, that's not it. Um, you're dealing with an injury that you got as a child, and it hasn't healed, right? You've been wounded by your spiritual enemy, and your mind is now confused, and it needs healing. And so what, what do we do? How do we bring healing to that? What can we do? Well, we can do what everybody else does. We can justify it. We can just say, this is the way I am. This is how God made me, and this is just part of my life. Or we can believe what Jesus said, that it's wrong and that it's dangerous, and that it's destructive to us. Even though it may feel right in this moment, it brings destruction. And we can believe that perhaps maybe God has something better for us in this, which I believe with all of my heart, God, there is healing, and that God has something better for us. That There's something better with this. And so what I want to do is I just want to keep this as simple as I can, and I just want to give you two words, two words today that may help you and I heal from a lustful wound, healing from a wound that happened to us that we didn't mean, we didn't start, but we've carried with us. And the two words are very simple, protect and pursue. Protect and pursue. Number one, if you're taking notes, protect the wound. Now think about it. If you think of this issue in your life as a wound, that it's a dent, it's a, it's a brokenness inside of you, it's a hurt, an owie, and protect it. And let it heal, you, it might change. Uh, you know, as many of you know, uh, a couple months ago, I, I broke my arm. I had my cast on. I shared that with you. Yeah, um, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a pickleball player. That's actually an understatement. I'm an excellent pickleball player. I'm, you may not know this, but I'm a kind of a big deal in this town in the pickleball world. Yeah, I, I'm kind of known as the man, <laughs> the man. And, and one, of the reasons, one of the things I'm famous for is I have a devastating overhead smash. I had a shoulder surgery years ago, and my overhead smash is just wicked and accurate. I just kill people. I've hit Charlie so many times in his belly and on his chest, and he just goes down. 
It's deadly, and so I got to watch it. In fact, uh, I told you back at Christmas, I was playing pickleball with my wife, Julie, down in Montrose, and we were playing with this couple that we didn't know, and we were trying to be friendly, and Julie pulled me off the side. She said, hey, I need you to tone it down. Just dial it down a little bit, fat boy, and I'm like, why? And she's like, listen, if we're nice and we have fun, they might invite us, and we can play with them again tomorrow, but don't do that thing that you do, and I'm like, okay, I'll be nice, and so early in the game, this guy hits a lob up over my head, you know, and uh, uh, now, normally, it's, <laughs> it's, you're going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And, uh, and I'm going back, and as I'm getting ready to smash it, that thought hit me. Fat boy, dial it down. Go easy. So I'm like, okay. And so I'm, I kind of ease up a little bit, and I'm just going to kind of try to tap it over the net. Well, about halfway through that, because I kind of eased up, I realized that that ball was falling way over my head, and I had to catch it and at least get it. And so I reached back, and I stumbled, and I began to fall completely all on top of my head. I could just picture me bonking my head. And at the last second, I stuck out my hand to catch my fall, and it caught all 215 pounds of pickleball excellence that's in me, right? And it held my fall, and I landed on my wrist, and instantly I knew that uh, I had broken a bone, or I felt like it. It hurt so much, just that deep agony. But I kept playing. Do you know why? Because I'm a man. That's how it is. And, and I kept playing, and, and it hurt, and, uh, and I didn't go to a doctor for a couple of weeks. You know why? I told you, I'm a man. That's what we do, right? I need no stinking doctor. But finally, it got so bad that I went to the doctor, and my doctor, she took x-rays, and she's like, it is broken. And you know, I said to her, I said, I figured it was, I, because it really hurt this week when I was chopping ice on my sidewalk. It really kind of hurt. And she's like, why would you do that? I'm like, I'm a man. I told her that. She's like, okay. And so anyway, she said, listen to me. Um, she said, listen to me. And I've never forgot this. She said, um, you have one assignment, one assignment to do. You need to protect this wound. Um, you have a wound, and God will heal this wound, but you have to protect it. If you don't protect it, it will heal, but it will be deformed. And then we're going to have to go in and a surgery. We're going to have to break it again. And we're going to form it again, and it's going to create a lot of pain and discomfort for you. She's like, did you hear what I said? I said, yes. She's like, what did I say? I said, you said I got to protect the wound. Gosh, why do you got to make me repeat everything? And she's like, because you're a man. (laughs) Anyway, so here's my point. Some of you have been wounded. Some of you have been wounded. by You saw some things that you shouldn't have seen. And you've gotten hooked. And you are living in a confused state. You see sex in a way that God never intended it to be. And you're doing things that you don't want to do, but you can't seem to stop. You tried stopping, but you always end up going back to it and giving in to it. And now what you've done is that you justify it by just living with it. And I just want you to understand, you've been injured You've been injured, and you need to realize that there's an injury, and that injury needs to heal. It needs some time to heal, and God will heal those wounds, but you have to protect it, and you have to give God some time to heal it. Now, the question is, is how do we do that? How do we, how do we ha- make this happen? Well, David, in Psalm 119, he asked a very simple question. He said this, how can a young man keep his way pure? 
Now, that's the question that we're asking here this morning. But this isn't just a modern question. This is a question, as you can see, that's been asked for centuries and centuries. We're not the first to wrestle with this, right? How can a man, how can a person keep their way pure? Well, David tells us. He says, by guarding it according to your word. By guarding ourselves according to God's word. By protecting the wound. By keeping some distance between um, you and what tempts you. Um, if that doesn't get you, Jesus says it a little more graphically in Matthew chapter 5. Listen to what he said. He said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, stick your finger in your eye and gouge it out and throw it away. And then right after that, he says something even crazier. He says, if your right arm causes you to sin, you should take a hacksaw and you should cut it off. Why? He says this. He says, it would be better, listen to him, it would be better for you to go through life missing a part of your body than you to miss eternity. Now, you and I don't know anything about eternity. And we have a very small clue of what heaven's going to be like. And so you and I are gladly trading that for what I want now. And that's where the world lives. But Jesus, who's been to both and understands eternity and understands what is waits for us on the other side, is telling us, listen, it would be better for you to take a screwdriver and jab it into your eye and gouge it out or to cut off your arm than to lose what is in store for you, what God has prepared for you because you have no idea. Everything that you've ever wanted in this life, love, joy, peace, is in paradise waiting for you. Don't trade it. And so basically you, you wonder, is Jesus being literal here? What is, what is he doing? I mean, Golly, uh, I, I kind of hope that he's not literally telling me to cut my arm off. Because if he is, next week we're going to have a lot of one-eyed cyclops, one-armed cyclops. Come on. No, I think he is he's just being figurative with this. And he's basically saying, listen, do everything you can. Do everything you can to stay away from that which is bringing harm to you. In other words, don't patty cake the sins in your life. Don't, don't pet them. And let them hang out with you. Because they will take something from you that you, it's just not worth it. It's a bad, bad trade. Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he talked about sin and temptation, he often used words like uh, fight it, you know. You need to fight the sin. You need to resist it. Resist, the, you know, stand up against it. But whenever, this is interesting, whenever Paul talked about sexual temptation, um, he, said, he said, flee from it. Run Run for your life. Get away. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Keep your distance. Protect the wound and give it some time to heal. I think, I think one of the things that the enemy uses this very uh, powerfully is that for you and I, our relationship with God and our way of communicating to God often happens through our imagination. Right? God gave you an imagination. It's not a bad thing. He wants us to believe God for all things. He said, when you pray for anything, pray and believe that it shall be yours and it will. Pray with some imagination. Believe God for greater things. And what, when we give our imagination over to sexual fantasies and thoughts and lust, you want to, I'll just guarantee you won't have godly kind of thoughts or words coming through that. When you give your imagination over to living in this world, you will find much less of God's voice 
And so this is, this, is, this, is, this is why it's so important. And so I don't know what it looks like to flee and to run from this for you. Um, it could mean that there are certain things that you no longer look at, that you guard your eyes. King David in Proverbs often said, God, uh, keep my eyes from evil. Guard my eyes. Shield me from that which is evil because he understood what it would do. In fact, his whole big issue in his life was because he was looking over a balcony at something he shouldn't have been doing and destroyed his life and his children, his family. Guard my eyes. Um, So maybe there's some movies that you decide, hey, I'm not going to watch that or maybe some movie channels that you're not going to subscribe to. Or it may mean uh, that you are going to decide to have your computer monitored. You're going to give your wife or your good friend uh, access. And say, anytime you have the right to check uh, my, my history. Um, you know, or, or maybe on your phone, you're going to put a filter on your phone that will uh, filter your browser so that you can't go to certain sites. And that's a pain, man. There's sometimes when I go on here, I can't get to certain things I want to because it's like blocking. And I, but you know, that's worth it. You know, or it, it, you know, maybe uh, for some of you, you're going to have to go, I can't go to a certain gym anymore and work out there because I found way too many things to look at and I find myself looking too often. Or maybe when you go, you just got to put blindfold on, you know, <laughs> or you just got to learn how to bounce your eyes, you know, like, oh, <laughs> you know, you get the first look is free, but if you're like, oh, that's not good, right? And you're lingering on, and some of you are like, Pastor Troy, you get a little crazy with this. Jesus said, don't mess around with this. Don't patty cake this. Don't diminish its power. What's happening in our culture, it's all around. Uh, Perhaps maybe the best thing that you could do if you struggle in this area is to simply talk to a trusted friend. Not everybody, but one person that you trust and just let them know that you're struggling with this. Um, Why? Well, the Bible tells us that when we confess our junk to one another, Uh, James says this. He says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. And and, and my friend Sue Alexander often says, it's those things in our life that remain hidden that are actually going to get us one day. And so by exposing it just to one person and saying, listen, I'm struggling with this. I just want you to know you're exposing it to the light. It just seems like the power of it becomes diminished. This is why in Regen and recovery programs, they often ask you to confess and have some confession and walk through an inventory of the junk in your life because it frees you by talking about it. Now, I know this is true. Some of you are listening to this right now and you feel guilty and you've been feeling guilty and you feel defeated in this area. You're like, thank you for all these suggestions, but I've tried, Pastor Troy, and I keep failing. I'm a Christian and I've tried for so long to stop this and I'm still struggling. Let me say something to you. Um, The fact that you're still struggling isn't necessarily a bad sign. Um, in fact, if you're struggling with this, that may, that's, indicator, that's an indication that you're not defeated, that, there's, that you're, you're still, there's still some fight in you, right? The problem is when you give up. The problem is when you give in to this thing, that when you give in uh, fighting against a temptation or fighting against a sin, um, that's when you're in trouble. That's when you need to be really, really alarmed. When people give themselves over to a sin, um, what happens is, is that they eventually sear their hearts and the Holy Spirit is no longer able to talk to them about it and convict them of it. And they can't feel that. It's like they got their hand in the fire and they're not feeling that sensation. And that is a 
bad, bad place to be. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 4.18, he said, uh, these folks have done this. They have become darkened in their understanding. And they're completely separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. God hasn't kicked them out of the life of God. He hasn't kicked them away. It's the hardening of their hearts that's caused them to be separated from their Heavenly Father. So if you're still feeling guilty about that thing, that's good news. That is a sign that God is still in your life. And if you're not feeling guilty, you have justified it to the point that your heart has become hard as a rock, and you're in trouble, and you need to repent, you need to break that thing down, or you will, I don't know what to say. I'm scared for you. But if you're feeling it, that means still, you're still in the fight. Now, number one, protect the wound so God can heal you. Number two, this is simple. Pursue the life of God. Stop playing defense and get on the offense. Seek God. Seek something else out. Pursue something else. Put your focus on something else. Uh, you know, Jesus told a parable about a man who cleaned out his house. He did some spring cleaning, and he got all these demons and all this jacked up stuff out of his house. It was clean. Then he says that a few days later, that demon came back with 14 of his friends, and they brought more, and they packed that house with more. The, re- the illustration is, is that we need to fill our lives when we empty it. When we get some of this junk out, we need to put something else in it. And I just, I, I believe that pursuing God would be the best. Let me just ask you to do this. Would everyone here just close your eyes for just a moment? Everyone just close your eyes for one second. No one looking around. No peeking. Everybody's eyes closed. Okay? I'll wait for you. Ready? All your eyes closed? Ready? Okay. Do not think of a pink elephant. Don't, don't think of a pink elephant. No pink elephants. Don't, don't think of it. Don't, don't think of it of a pink elephant. Okay, open your eyes. What do you see? Pink elephant, right? Why? Because it's on the screen. Oh, okay, it's on the screen. But it's also because I told you not to, right? And that's how our mind works. And if all you do is say to yourself, don't have lustful thoughts. Don't think of these things. Don't think of this. Don't think of lustful thoughts. What are you going to think of? That's it. But if, on the other hand, you say to yourself, I am pursuing God. I am seeking God. Not religion. God. I'm seeking God. I want to serve God. I'm looking for God. Those who seek him shall find him. If you do that, you think about those things, what will you do? You'll see him. Don't go on the defense all the time. Be on the offense. I mean, think about it. Why do we lust? Why do we look? Why do we fantasize? Why do we bring up those old memories and kind of think about them for a little bit? Why do we fool around before we get married? Most people say it's because we're bored, you know, or I felt empty, I felt alone, and I needed to fill that emptiness with something that seemed to be missing in my life, and I thought that sex, I thought that would bring it. Uh, I just needed distraction, I'm just bored. Those people that do that have settled for a a, a low form of substitution. Uh, They have settled for a a counterfeit. They've, they've, They've taken the quick hit, and the quick fix, and the quick thrill, and they've traded it in. And God has something better for us. He has something so much better that we want. God intended for you and I to have intimacy with someone, with him and with someone. In fact, all through my high school years, all I wanted, I didn't know it then. I was looking for other things, but what I really wanted was intimacy, someone to see me for who I was and who would love me for that and would speak into that. 
That's what we want. And God wants us to have that. He intended for you to have a life of friendship and companionship and partnership with someone. He intended for you and I to live a life of love. Real love. See, our culture has taught us that sex and love are the same thing. And if you're over the age of 15, you know that that ain't right. They are not the same. You can have sex without any love. And the description of love that I'm given, the best description, best definition of love I have, has nothing physical about it or sexual. It said that love is patient. True love is kind. And that it's gentle. And that it is not self-seeking. It's not self-centered. It's not about what can you give me and how can you make me feel. It's about others. That's true love. And if you're in a relationship that's based on what are we doing for each other next, you're settling for a love that is a little less than what God has for you. He has love that he wants us to live and a life of purity. Why? Because the pure of heart will see God. And see, um, our enemy has put some bait on a hook and we fall for it. We see it and it never fulfills. We bite it, we take it, and it never fulfills. It never pays off like we hope because it can't. It's a counterfeit. It's empty calories. It leaves us feeling hungrier than before. What we really want is what really God has for us, the real thing. And that can only be found in Him. There is a hole in your soul. That's not for rock and roll. (laughs) This is for God. He created you that way and He kept a piece of it to cause you to look in this world and to search so that you might find Him. And it can only be fulfilled with a relationship with Him. And I'll be honest with you, the truth is is that the times that I'm most vulnerable in my life in this area and other areas is when I've stopped pursuing God. When I've gotten on track, when I've forgotten my mission, when I've forgotten my calling um, in Him. I have a calling from God. And so do you. And it, and it may or may not be some big thing that we're going to do somewhere down the road. I'm talking about today. God is leading me to do something for him and with him. And, I, and I've talked about this. There is nothing in my life that satisfies and, and, and gives me as much enjoyment as stepping into what God has for me. There, I've said this before. There's nothing like when God sticks the hand of his, his hand into the glove of your life and he uses you to touch someone to, to help someone, to, bring, to make this better place. That is the most, that's the best high. That's the best feeling. And so um, find that thing that fills you, that God has for you, that God has created you for, and step into that. Nothing. David said this, how can a person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, by living and chasing him down, by following and pursuing God. And if you're struggling here today, that's good news. That proves that you've not been defeated yet. You need to take some steps to protect that wound. You need to step back from some stuff. You need to quit playing defense and get on the offense and pursue your calling. Find a ministry. Find that thing that you're good at and do it for God and make a difference in someone else's life. And God will do the same in yours. I believe that. Let me pray. Close out here. Well, God, um, tough subject, um, difficult. um, But we thank you for your word because... It helps us to know something that we wouldn't know. In our minds, we would figure what we're doing is okay and there's no problem with it. Um, and we continue to do it. But you've warned us and you've, you've said, listen, this burns. And so, Father, we hear you today and we trust that you, you, you're guiding us 
into life and life more abundantly. You're not trying to take something from us. You're trying to give us something so much more wonderful. And so God, today, we, we follow Charlie's uh, recipe that he gave us a few weeks ago, that as we begin to clean out our house and clean out our heart, that we take three things. Number one, we see the junk. Then we um, say the junk. We confess it. And then we dump the junk. We leave it behind. And so very simply, God, this morning we see the areas of our heart and our life and the actions that we're doing uh, that is not right. We said, point it out, God. It's been pretty quiet in this church in my senses. You're talking to each one of us at some level. And so, Lord, reveal that. We see it. And now we confess it to you. You said that if we will confess our sins, all sins, you will forgive us of our all unrighteousness. And so we confess that to you, God. We confess that we have gone to places and we have seen some things and we have done some things that are not right. And they're bringing damage to our heart and our spirit and they're, they're, they're overtaking our imagination, which is where you and the wonders of you can really flourish and, and we've edged you out. The reason I can't think about God or I'm ashamed to feel is because my mind is filled with all these other things. And so, Lord, I confess that to you and I ask that you would forgive me. And I accept that you are right now forgiving me. And I receive that. And now I ask, God, that you would fill me with something else, that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit and give me the power to say no, to, to turn away, to flee from these temptations that come in and that I will not scar myself and harm myself anymore. I want to give time for that to heal. And then, Lord, lastly, I leave this behind. We, we, let, we drop it here and we leave it behind and we believe with your power you are going to set us free from this and give us something so much better, a life of fulfillment, a life of intimacy, a life of partnership and, lo- and true love. And so we trade our version of this, our version of sex for yours. We make that trade today gladly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.